here doing a series called Tipping Point. We're just getting back on. We had uh, Pastor, uh, sorry, not Pastor anymore, Wendy uh, Francis last week brought us a great message. And um, just to give you, uh, catch up a little bit of speed, where I was when I, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about the, where the events of the world have placed us right now, where we are, where we're traveling, and some of the things that were to happen. God speaks in his word very clearly in lots of passages from Daniel through Revelations and various other minor prophets about what we call the end times. And um, I, I've always had a fascination with them all. And, uh, but I spoke last time about some of the key events. And it talks about a time where there'll be a move to a world government and also a world religious system. And I spoke a little bit about that. And we're seeing that kind of atmosphere happening right now around the world where there's a push for a global governance and it's disguised in the emergency acts that have taken place right now. But I want to move on a little bit from there because um, we are living in a weird sort of time and we need to be aware of what's going on. But whenever these things happen, as it has over time, from world wars and things like that, it always the Christians always go, is this it? Is this it? Are you in that moment right now? Is this it? Is this the time? You know, World War II, people thought the rise of Nazi Germany, Adolf Hitler was the Antichrist. Yeah, sure, he was a Antichrist, but not the one that is to come. But there were certainly those sort of talks, and we can go there again. But there's other prophecies that give us an understanding of exactly where we are and how that will all play out. So I guess this morning, you know, we've seen many people say that Jesus is on his way very soon, and I've heard people go, yeah, but people have been saying that for years, and... Uh, you know, I remember even the, the, yeah, the cults that really get into it as well. The Jehovah's Witnesses said in 1914 that Jesus returned, but secretly. So, well, missed that one. Um, but wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't you like to know when Jesus is going to return? I think we all would. Well, I'm going to tell you. He will return by the end of this year or any time after. <laughs> Had people worried there. They're going, oh, we can't say that. Can't say that because my next scripture actually, actually qualifies the whole deal of why I can't say that. <laughs> so if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to start in uh, Mark chapter 13, verse 32 through to 35. We need to see what Jesus had to say about his return and uh, how we should be prepared in those moments. Mark chapter 13, verse 32 says, But of that day and hour no one knows, no, not the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. As a man going away, leaving his house and giving authority to his servants, and each man's work to him, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. <clears throat> then you watch, for you do not know when the Lord of the house is coming, at evening or at midnight or at crowing or early. Lest he come suddenly and find you sleeping, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, God, that you bring to light uh, where we are and what we are to face and to be ready. Father, I thank you for your truth. And I pray, oh God, this morning you'll speak to each one of us in our hearts, that God will get a greater understanding of your word. In the times that we are living, particularly, we've seen more and more prophecies being fulfilled. And Father, we know that you've got it all calculated, you've got everything underhand, and we don't need to worry. We just need to trust you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us and that you are for us. In Jesus' mighty name, and all the people said, Amen. So Jesus says here, but of that day and hour, no one knows. 
That's why I can't tell you, sorry. <laughs> I know someone's going, oh, he's going to give us some extra. No, I wouldn't do that. That's dangerous. <laughs> but um, one key thing in this verse that we see particularly is Jesus said, watch and pray. Okay, now you need to hear that. Watch and pray. Watch means like, it's from a word like, don't be sleeping and miss out what's going on. We are living in a time right now where we need to have our eyes open. We need to be seeing what's going on. We need to go to our Bible and compare notes and say, okay, the Bible says this. Okay, I need to be ready because Jesus is going to come at a time you not know the hour. And so we need to be concentrating on that. You know, I'm constantly, what, <coughs> sorry, I'm constantly watching the world events and I'm going, hmm, this is interesting. And I'm going to line up with the Bible because the Bible is your basis of truth, okay, not what... Channel 7 News says or whatever, we've got to go to the Word of God. The Word of God is the foundation that we can build upon. So if, if there's something being said and it doesn't fit with this, we know that's rubbish. We're going to listen to the Word of God. So that's what I try to do. So I'm very keen on prophecy. I look at the, the words of God and then I go say, are we seeing any of those things happen? And we are, which I'm going to reveal in a second. But, but the key thing is, he said, to keep awake to watch, that's what it means, to keep awake and pray. Because we need wisdom in these days. I'm telling you, it's there's some interesting things that are going to take place very shortly. And um, it's been building for some time. And uh, you need to be awake. You need to be ready. You need to be discerning of the times. Because you will miss what's about to happen. You could be caught up in the wrong thing. You remember, there is a devil. There's a spiritual war going on. This is a spiritual war, people, that you're seeing. It's been disguised in other things, but it's a spiritual war, and you need to be aware of spiritual warfare and your weapons of warfare and our weapons of prayer. We need to pray against the enemy. I'm telling you, atmospheres change when we pray. You know, the enemy runs scared when we start praying. When we know what God has given us, the power within us, the enemy doesn't stick around. I'll tell you, he moves. But he is very uh, deceitful. It says that he is the father of all lies. So we've got to understand we've got an enemy that works under stealth in nights. That's why Jesus says, bring everything to the light. So it exposes everything. The enemy right now is working behind the scenes and uh, trying to dis uh, distract us, trying to bring us down, to, to give us no hope. And, uh, you know, I've said of these things, let's go on. You know, this is, this is the enemy. Um, you know, um, what's going on? Like, no dancing, as I said the other week. You know, you know when you dance, it, your, your, your adrenaline, what's the word? Um, endorphins, that's the word I'm looking for. Endorphins, like, go and you feel really happy. You know, unless you can't dance and then you feel ridiculous. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, you feel really happy. And I'm telling you, when you sing, it makes you feel happy, doesn't it? And I thought it was amazing when they start bringing these things saying you cannot Sing and you cannot dance. I said, that's just a, like a real party pooper thing, isn't it? <laughs> it, just, it just really brings you down. But we know in the Spirit, we know in God that He likes to hear our voices. He delights in our praise. He inhabits our praise. He inhabits the praises of His people, it says. So when we praise, God is in that atmosphere. And that's why it's important that we always come together and not forsake the gathering of the believers, as it says in Hebrews 10.25. But anyway, he told us to watch and pray, and that's why it's so important these days that you start praying more than you ever have before. If you think you used to pray, you need to pray a lot more because God's going to reveal some stuff to you. God's going to show you some things. He's going to get your, as I say, your inner built Noah to know what is right and what is wrong. 
because there's going to be a lot of deception that's coming your way, I can tell you. And if you do not know, you'll be deceived. So be, be aware of those things. So um, the world needs, is, the world is very ch- in a changing place right now, and we need to have discernment for that. But I want to sort of give you an overview this morning so we can always be conscious and always be aware of where we are in God's uh, big picture. I always refer to a puzzle and we're seeing the pieces come together. But firstly, I want to talk about God's timeline. You know, um, many Jewish scholars taught that there would be a a lifetime of 7,000 years of completion of human history. Uh, And so far, we're up to about the 6,000-year mark of humans managing the earth, and then there'll be a 1,000 years of Christ's return and reign on earth. So I think that's quite exciting when you think about that. Because uh, God does everything in numbers, if you've noticed that. Uh, he created everything six days. On the seventh day, he rested. Seven is very significant of completion in God's number system. And um, so scholars believe that there'll be seven years on this earth, um, uh, 6,000 years of humans managing it, and 1,000 of God, uh, Christ, sorry, return to reign for 1,000 years. Because everything's in sevens, and I like the number seven. Those people know that. Uh, <laughs> uh, in Genesis, we, uh, we, we see the whole pattern of the format of that, of course. God did everything day by day by day, and he finished on the seventh day, rested. God also tells the Hebrew people to mark every seventh year as a Sabbath, a, a year of rest. Uh, it says where they would let, to the, uh, let the land rest and, the plant, and plant nothing. Uh, Leviticus 25 verse 3 says this. You shall sow your field six years, and you shall prune your vineyard six years, and gather it for fruit. But in the seventh year it shall be a Sabbath of rest of the land, a Sabbath for Jehovah. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. So here's another reference to seven. So God's seal number is seven. And even in the Essenes calendar, because there's many calendars, you know, we work off the Gregorian calendar. Um, Now the Essenes were... A Jewish sect that uh, were very much uh, listened to Jesus, got on well with Jesus, unlike the Pharisees. They didn't kind of get on well. They weren't, they're a bunch of hypocrites, as we know. But the Essenes had a calendar, which was very fascinating. And I've just sent away to read a bit more about this because uh, scholars that have been looking into the Essene calendar, it works different to our calendar, but it actually works in blocks of 700 years. And it's blocks of 10 lots of 700, which makes 7,000 years. There's an agreement, again, of the 7,000 years that we're talking about. And um, they lay it out as in the 7,000-year period as well. So basically, we know from, uh, Abraham to, uh, sorry, from Adam to Abraham was roughly around 2,000 years. From Abraham to Christ was 2,000 years. So the Old Testament covers about 4,000 years. And then uh, we have, um, from the end of the Old Testament like uh, to now, uh, another 2,000 years. So that's two, four, six, six thousand years roughly we've I've lived in time. And they know they can go back in the genealogy to find out uh, some of this stuff, which they've done. So we're living roughly in the 6,000-year mark of uh, humanity creation. And uh, it's exciting because the completion, as I said, is a 7,000 years. We've got 1,000 years of Christ's reign on earth. And so uh, we're in very exciting times. So what I want to do is um, put up a little end time chart, as I call it. You can flick that up there. 
Then when I was at Bible college, we used to get these all the time, and I used to study them and, and try to remember them all. And uh, I remember getting a really good remark on one, one uh, exam because I studied so much, I even had the scripture references. And I thought we had to do that. And at the end, they said, look, you did really well, but you didn't have to write all the scripture references to everything that's on that chart. I said, oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> okay, so let's just start. So to explain this whole map for you, um, we know in Acts, that's the start of the church, and we're in that present church age right there on the end, right? The next big event, now, once again, you may have a different position. That's okay. The rapture of the church, uh, there are people who hold different positions in this time frame. Uh, some believe the rapture will happen at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation that it talks about in the book of Revelation and, uh, and Daniel reference. Um, and uh, some believe in the mid, where it's, that mark is in the middle there, and some believe at the end. I'm kind of always believed either in the mid or the beginning, not the end. Don't like the end, that sounds pretty scary, all that stuff. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> so I haven't just picked light because it suits me best. It's because I'm, I'm watching some of the words uh, that are written in the scriptures, and I think it supports it very good. So let's just start with the rapture for a start. What is the rapture? We often hear that. It's not a biblical word. When we go into the scripture, we won't see the word rapture there. It's from a, uh, word that means, uh, a Latin word which means to snatch away or seize, caught up. And it says in Thessalonians um, 1, Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, in that passage, or start at 16 anyway, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are alive, sorry, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Here is Paul dressed in the Thessalonian church. And you see how he finishes it? He's trying to encourage the church. So the word of God is to encourage you, not scare you, okay? It's to prepare you with events to come. Be ready, but don't be scared. God's got it all covered, all right? So here we have Paul telling us that. So an event will take place where it says, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. So you're going to see people that have died that were in Christ are going to come out of the ground. Now that's going to be pretty freaky, but if you read Matthew, you'll see there was an account that happened when Jesus died. There was an earthquake. Dead bodies popped out of the ground. And they said they were seen in the city. Imagine that, like a dead rally, like suddenly get a knock on the door. Whoa, <laughs> where have you come from? Anyway, um, so we see this moment where the dead in Christ will rise first. And he says, after that, we who are still alive, for those that are alive at the time, uh, will be caught up together to meet him in the clouds. Now, that's going to be a wonderful sight, isn't it? I used to have dreams of the kids just flying through the air, you know, like... I don't know, it might be a prophetic thing, I don't know. But uh, anyway, so this is what the rapture is. God, Jesus is going to call his, the believers, the true believers out, and those that died in him, because he has to do that before anything else happens. Because the seven-year period that you see here, you see the years of tribulation, that's seven years. That's going to be a time like the world has never seen before, and that's God's judgment wrath upon the earth. Now, God doesn't God's wrath is not against us, and I'll bring some scripture verses up in, in a minute on that. God actually is for us. God loves us. He gives us a chance to turn back to him, 
and he's always there for us. But even announcing this to the Thessalonian people, um, uh, Paul has some trouble because people start wondering about it all. And, uh, and in 2 Thessalonians, he had to address it again. He says, Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will pose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So here is trying to settle the Thessalonians. Look, if you hear rumor, it hasn't happened. Don't worry, you haven't been left behind. You know, that's the kind of worry, isn't it, being left behind. In the 80s, a lot of Christian movies about being left behind and all that sort of stuff. And um, years ago when I spoke about this, for those that are here, uh, I actually finished my sermon on, on uh, the Thessalonians verse about the trumpet call of God and whatever. And I prepared a pair of clothes exactly the same as what I was wearing while I was preaching. And I hid it under a blanket here where you couldn't sort of see. And uh, I had it all rigged, ready to go. I had somebody at the end. Uh, we had all synchronized. So someone would turn the lights off. A trumpet would blow. Everyone would look around and I'd whiz off stage. And, and as they go, what's going on? The lights come on and they just see my clothes. I've been raptured. And, uh, <laughs> and people thought that was quite hilarious. But you know what I did? I, I didn't come back on either. After that, I, I let another guy finish the service because I wanted to linger there. You just don't know the time nor the hour. But in the case of these Thessalonians uh, people, um, they were kind of very concerned about they missed it and whatever. And here's Paul giving us another key clue about those days when it will happen. It says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. That's the Antichrist coming forward. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming to be God. Carly, could you show us the temple for a minute? We'll come back to this in a minute. Now, this is what the temple looked like in the days of Jesus. You can see the inner court area and uh, pretty, pretty specky. That's just a model, of course. Nobody had cameras back then. Uh, <laughs> now, can I flick the next page? Uh, this is what it looks like today. So the scripture tells us uh, before that day, the, the temple mount, which is, you see that big... That big dome thing, that's actually a Muslim uh, dome thing there, dome the rock, and uh, that's going to have to be removed to rebuild on top of that. So it's going to be interesting what takes place with all that. But there's also uh, an institute in uh, Jerusalem that is already preparing all the priestly garments and all this for re rebuilding of the third temple. It's very exciting. They, even in nine, uh, what was it, 2018, uh, heifer, a red heifer, which was used to sacrifice and they sprinkle ashes on, on the temple, uh, has been born that's unblemished. And they said in the whole time from Moses, there's only been nine uh, heifers that are burnt for this uh, uh, thing for the ceremony of the, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of, for the mount, for the temple there. And uh, they believe in the Jewish uh, history is that the 10th one will be, will bring in the Masonic um, age, Okay, where's that? <laughs> and um, 
So it's very interesting that this will be the 10th one if they use it. So they've got everything ready, ready to go. Everything's going pretty good so far. So um, we've seen a lot of evidence. So there are a lot of things going to have to happen on that temple at the moment. That's why I say keep all eyes on Israel because Israel is God's time peace and time clock, his people. Everything revolves around that. I'd like to go there one day, actually. Let's check it out. So here we are. We'll just go back to that first chart again. So here we are, we have a picture of uh, rapture of the church, God's judgment, a seven-year period there. Now in the middle, you'll see it's got desecration of the temple. This is when the Antichrist comes forward. So some, I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of speculation in some ways, a lot of sort of uh, how's this going to work. But we believe the Antichrist will come, he'll be revealed. It says, this time will not come unless the man of uh, destruction is revealed. So he'll be revealed and then the rapture will take place. He will allow the temple probably to be rebuilt and they will practice their old uh, ways of sacrifice and animals and things, whatever they used to do. And then in the middle of that, he will come forward and sit himself on the temple as being the true God. That's what the sort of plan is from what we can read from the scriptures. And from there it gets really dark and destructive and the last three and a half years of that seven year period becomes very bad. But let's not race ahead here, let's just go back to uh, this seven-year tribulation. Where do we know about that and understand that from? So Daniel 9.27. Big feet. I'm going really well this morning. Aren't I? I shouldn't. I got out of bed the wrong side, I think. Uh, it's my clown shoes, yeah. <laughs> so Daniel 9.27 says, He shall confirm in a covenant with the many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause a sacrifice and the offering to cease. And on the corner of the altar... Uh, desolated abominations even until the end. Here we have a picture of he, meaning the Antichrist, shall make an agreement or sign an agreement with the many. Some believe that's Israel with the many possible Arab nations around. We've seen many uh, peace treaties and things over time with the Arabs trying to keep peace with Israel. And um, that will be a, a big marker when we see something signed in the Middle East for a period of seven years because it actually represents that seven years of tribulation that you see down the bottom there. Is, is flagging that sort of thing. So we need to be uh, very aware of that and ready for that, that time. So this seven-year period will be like none other. Uh, like I said, there will be a man that will come forward as the Antichrist. And uh, he'll probably look like a pretty charismatic sort of guy that the world will fall for in, in the first three and a half years particularly. Then he will show his true colors in the second three and a half years and be woe to us. But I believe... If I've got it right, <laughs> I believe in, in the picture I've got that we will, won't see that. We will be gone by then. We'll be gone, and I'll give you some scriptures shortly on that. But I just want to give you a kind of timeline here. So we have the uh, tribulation time of Daniel that he speaks about very clearly. And uh, in that time, um, the devil will try to get his brand on people in that tribulation time because he wants to be worshipped. He wants to be uplifted. He wants to be like the most high God. And Carl, can you just pull up the mark of the beast system from Revelation chapter 13, verse 16? Most of you are already aware of this sort of thing. This has been around for some time now. A company called Verichip and uh, uh, Digital Applied Solutions. A lot of companies are making these little chips. And they got introduced some years ago now. Uh, and you don't really hear a lot about it, but there's a lot of it being used. In our current climate, we're seeing things move very quickly because one of the key verses uh, in this, Revelations chapter 13, verse 16 says, 
where this time comes, here's John talking this. Now, John's in the book of Revelations, been captured, been sent to the island of Patmos, and he's banished there. Like It's like a prison island. And he sees a vision, and he sees many things. And in chapter 13, this is what he sees. He sees a time when uh, we were all caused to have a, uh, it says, and it causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark on their right hand or in their foreheads. Even that not any might buy or sell except those having the mark or the name of the beast or the name of its name. So the, John tells us there's going to be a time where our mark will be placed on our right hand or our forehead and if you don't have it, you won't be able to buy or sell. Now, where have we heard, where are we hearing this sort of, this kind of thought and this sort of thing happening right now? Well, you know, if I go to Israel, like I say, keep all eyes on Israel. Israel right now has had police outside the shopping centers, supermarkets, guarding it. And unless you have, uh, have been vaccinated and approved with your passport, they've got these passports, you are not allowed to go in and buy anything. So people are being, stopped, are being stopped and cannot buy, they cannot sell, they can't open their business unless they've been vaccinated. So we're already seeing the, the beast system starting to emerge of being set up in our time right now. Some people think, you know, uh, other things are the mark or whatever. And I said, well, I just keep straight to the scripture here. Uh, and I go, no, the mark, it says, is on the right hand or the foreheads. And um, I was having a conversation the other day when I went to Disneyland years ago. Somebody told me before, uh, uh, speaker Barry Smith was talking about it. For those that remember Barry Smith, he's very big into the end time stuff. He said, they are preparing you subtly for the mark of the beast. He said, he says, you go to Disneyland um, he says, they will not stamp, if you want to go out for, you know, for a few minutes, come back into the park, they will not put that stamp on your right hand. Uh, because they, why? Because they're preparing it for the mark. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So, of course, me being me, when we went to Disneyland, I said, girls, we're going to go out, because there's another park. I said, we're all going to test this thing out, right? So when you go up to the guy to stamp your hand, to get a little stamp to go out, put your right hand out, right, and see what happens. And so we did. I walk up to the first guy. I said, I just want to pass out. He goes, not pass out. <laughs> pass out. And he, uh, I purposely put my hand in my pocket, my left hand in my pocket like this, and I put my right hand out like that, right? He throws it down and yanks my hand out and stands my left hand. I said, what did you do to the left hand? Policy, sir. Can't tell you if it's policy. I said, but why? What's the difference? I don't know. It's just policy. So I'm watching my girls, same thing, left hand. They wouldn't stamp on the right hand for some reason. I don't know. It's just weird. I thought that was very interesting. So we're seeing the, the movement towards this microchip. And, of course, whenever they try things, they like to try them on animals. Animals are usually the test case. And that's why your pets are all microchips right now. And uh, that's to get people used to it. They have to do it very slowly. And, of course, now we're moving to people. Uh, there's thousands of people around the world that have this chip. It's linked to their accounts and all sorts of things. They open up doors with it. Uh, all sorts of things. But uh, a lot of people don't realize that this is actually leading to the mark, whether it's going to be exactly end like this, because there's a few variations I've seen of all these chips, like patches uh, under the skin and all sorts of things. But it certainly can be used as a device where you will not be able to buy or sell because they will keep all records of you. This is why we're, they're moving to a cashless society, because it's all digital then. They can control everything. That's why I say keep cash on you because uh, they can't control you. They don't know what you're doing with cash, but they do with um, electronic uh, currency. 
So we have the mark of the beast system, and uh, then if you just go back to the timeline. So somewhere in probably in the start, not too far away, by the way, things are progressing. And also I want to say the mark of the beast is not just to buy and sell, it's actually a mark of ownership. It's like when a farmer brands his cattle, that's my cattle, it's got the mark of my, my uh, establishment. And same with this, is the, the, the devil trying to put his mark on you. And that's why it says further on in Revelations, do not receive the mark of the beast. Woe to those that receive the mark, because they will have the wrath of God upon them. And so uh, in no way do you want to take that. And I can't believe people lining up to uh, uh, get those sort of things, because all technology. See, they've, they've warmed you up to it with all the smartphones. You know, smartphones, when you really look at it, and what their purpose for it was from the beginning, it's really, we're the dumb ones for having a smartphone. <laughs> um, and I know from a lot of the stuff they put in, you know these updates? I've always worried about updates because they've been putting more and more spyware on your phone. And, uh, you know, as you know, most people would know these days, they listen in to you. Hello. <laughs> and uh, um, they, they listen and they're spying on you. You know, I was on an app one day and also my camera comes on, the light comes on and my camera's on. Someone's spying on me. So now on my little phone, I've got a little metal thing I pull over the camera so you can't see. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and, and Mr. Zuckerberg was quite aware of us. There was a picture of him caught with his laptop out, and he had tape over the microphone, tape over the camera. He knows his own devices. They're spying on you. People have said things like that. I've heard of stories of one uh, couple that were discussing about going out one night. Who's going to look after the kids? We need a babysitter. And go, oh, I don't know. We'll work something out. And then he just went to pick up his phone, just see what's going on on Facebook. First ad comes up with looking for a babysitter, and this is what's going on. So there's... Uh, AI, which is artificial intelligence uh, galore going on in the background. And we've got to be aware of that. All right, so present age, after the seven-year period, which we won't be around, uh, I believe, comes uh, the return of Christ. That's what's called the second coming of Christ. Um, he, he's been one time, he's coming back again. So there's the rapture, we go to meet him in the sky, and we come back with him at, at the return and then there's 1,000-year reign of Christ, and then final judgment, uh, where God judges the whole world, humanity, and, uh, and then we live forever. Amen. In one place or another. Um, so this morning, I want to give you hope. You know, I'm just racing over this. I could spend a lot of time on this. I just want you to see clearly the events and why this whole 7,000-year period is very important when we know we're at 6,000. As you can see, the millennial reign of Christ, it will be for 1,000 years. So we've almost completed six, and then we know there's 1,000 years, and that hasn't happened yet, so we must be right somewhere at the start of this rapture of the church coming very soon to a town near you. Yeah. And um, so what hope do we have then? Because we do have hope. Because I know a lot of people get fearful and they go, well, you know, what if we're coming back um, in the second half of the three and a half years? Well, you wouldn't want to be there because it's like a time that has never been before. And there will be people, even when we're raptured, will go, oh my goodness, my friend was right. This is real. You know, because there's a lot of us that have shared our testimony with workmates and things and they just laugh off, you silly Christian, don't know what you're talking about. When we go disappear in one day, they'll go, they were right. <laughs> they were right. I'm left behind. They're going to be panicking. But even then, in God's grace, he's going to give them an opportunity to come back to them. But it's going to, not going to be easy because he said some will be beheaded for their belief. So you'll be killed for your belief, basically. So I'd rather get it right now and know I'm going up and miss that part. That's for sure. 
All right, let's see some scriptures that tells us why we will miss the wrath of God. Well, firstly, Romans 5.9 says, Since we have now been justified by his blood as a new believer, Jesus shed his blood for us, we received him. Since we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? See, there it says, how much more will we be saved from God's wrath? See, the church may endure, see, the church may endure persecution and trouble, but it's not the object of God's wrath. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, Wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues, rescues us from the coming wrath, wrath of God. So there's Jesus who rescues us from that. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't appoint us to receive wrath, but salvation. And then it goes on to say, therefore, encourage one another in that verse. And then to the church of uh, Philadelphia in Revelation 3.10, it says, Jesus is talking to the church here, it says, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole earth, the whole world, to test them, those who live on the earth. So we need to be ready. So what does that look like? Well, Jesus was speaking in Luke chapter 17 about this whole thing. And he said this, And as it was in the days of Noah, so also shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. So also, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But the day uh, Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so shall it be in that day when the Son of Man is revealed. So here we see Jesus is great. He gives you a lot of cryptic clues and pictures of what is to happen. In the days of Noah, you know, poor Noah. Can you imagine being Noah? It has never rained. The Bible tells you it had not rained up that point, right? And there he is building this big, massive ship in his back garden. And people go, what on earth is he up to now? What's he thinking? And they would have mocked him and all this sort of stuff. And it says that when they all entered the ark and the door was shut, the rain started to pour, the waters of the deep came up and, and so forth. And uh, just in time, because once he sealed the righteous people was, were contained in that ark, the, the eight of them were in that ark with the righteous people of God. Once the door was closed, then he could judge the world. And he judged the world by flooding it, right? So like in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, there's Lot and his family were called out. And the angels, the two angels that were there just said, we cannot, God cannot judge this place until the righteous are removed. And I thought that was very interesting. You know, he got a, you just thought, why don't you just blow them up and whatever? And, uh, but he said, no, I've got to remove the righteous because I cannot judge the righteous with the unrighteous. So the right people standing with God were called out and were told not to look back. You're no longer connected to that. And, of course, Lot's wife had to have a look. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there's always one in every crowd. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so, and you know what happened there. But once again, there's another picture there that as soon as the righteous were removed, God could judge Sodom and Gomorrah, which was a terrible, terrible place, I can tell you. And as you can read in your own scriptures and whatever. But um, we've got to understand that God has given us these pictures to show you it will just be like that. Well, it's just like that now. People, uh, as it says in, in uh, 
where are we? Just go back there. It says in Luke 17, 29, they ate, they drank, they married wives. They were all given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. So that's the picture of what's happening right now with marrying, eating, drinking, all fun. And, you know, of course, we've got some trouble times at the moment. But besides that, everything's pretty much the same as normal. And then suddenly, suddenly, God's judgment comes upon them. So we need to be assured this morning and be confident where we stand with Christ. Are you confident this morning that when you hear that trumpet blast, uh, the voice of the archangel, that you'll be going up? Or you're one that's going to be left behind? God's heart is that all shall be one. None shall be lost. But you know what? God doesn't twist your arm. And, you know, you never live the life as I said the other week, was you plan as if Jesus is not coming back for 100 years, but you live today as if he's coming back tomorrow. You know, if I actually had a guarantee here, look, I've got a letter from Jesus. He said he's going to arrive tomorrow, okay? And I hand it out to you, you accepted that. How would that change your lifestyle right now? What would be important? What wouldn't be? The people that will be raptured are those that give their life to Jesus Christ. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You, not you might, you shall. There's confidence. Matthew 24.12 says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end shall be saved. There's two assurances there. One, if we confess Jesus with our mouth, believe in our heart, that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And, if we, and once we've done that, we also need to stand firm. I'm telling you right now, I've seen Christians starting to waver. I'm seeing Christians starting to collapse under, under the worry concerns. Because as like Pastor Sharon said, they've taken their eyes off of God put their eyes on the world situation, on the governments, what's going on. They will not save you. They cannot save you. There is only one Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me just pray this morning. But before I do, I just want you to close your eyes, bow your head. Because the most important part of all this message is always the end. And it's about having a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And perhaps you're here today and you've looked at that chart and goes, wow, I had no idea that uh, we've come into a close in time. And that Jesus is coming back for us. Perhaps you've heard little bits and pieces, but uh, you've never really understood what it all means. I want to give you an opportunity to give you that encouragement, but also give you the offer that Jesus gives to you of life. For it says in 1 John 12, For as many as received Him, He gave them the right to become children of God, all those that believed on His name. So this morning, we enter the kingdom, we enter into that relationship with God when we come with a repentant heart, when we give our lives to Jesus, we ask to live for Him, to make Him Lord and Saviour. So I want to ask this morning, if you're in this congregation and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins, and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, well, you need to have confidence and be assured. Now is the time. If that's you, you'd like to give your life to Jesus this morning, just raise your hand wherever you are and I'll see that. We want to pray with you and pray for you.
And perhaps you're not even sure whether you did that as a young person. And perhaps you just want to rededicate, like, you know, I've kind of fallen out a bit. I need to do that. I need to know that I'm right with Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. One thing I like to do is to say that sinner's prayer because I know I've been in many meetings in the past that brought people to Christ and sometimes it's overwhelming in a place that you've never been in or, you know, you just kind of feel a bit out of it but you kind of want to make that decision. So I wonder if we can all say this today. We're going to say the sinner's prayer and it's good for us to always realize what God has done for us anyway. So let's just repeat after me this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn now from my sins and invite you to come into my life to be my Lord and Saviour. I thank you now. Amen. You know, that's the most important prayer that you could ever say. And uh, that is the starting place for your life in Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most exciting decisions you could ever make. And when you start to get into His Word and see all that He has prepared for you, He has plans for you, it's, it's just overwhelming. And like to see what's going on right now in our world, but knowing that Jesus has got a rescue plan for us. He's coming for you. He's coming soon, I believe even though I don't know the time nor the hour. He's coming soon. And you need to believe that and be ready. Be ready. Father, I thank You today for Your Word, for Your truth. Father, I pray for everybody here that God will be touched by Your Word and we do our own diligent uh, work and reading Your Bible, meditating on it, understanding Your words and what they mean for today that we pray and watch as you command us to do, that we pray and watch because the time is near. And God, we look forward to that day. We're excited when we will meet with you face to face. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. Amen.